welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 67, Bow Hunting Turkeys with Lynn Brady. And I am your host and the firearm instructor here at my house. So I took my wife and one of her friends yesterday to the indoor pistol range here in Birmingham called Hoover Tactical Firearms. So it's a gun store and they have a pistol range and actually have a rifle range as well inside. So we went yesterday because my wife has decided that she wants to learn how to shoot a gun because there have been a lot of problems with crime in the Birmingham area over the past, I'd say, year or so. And it used to be that the crime was kind of limited to a certain part of town. But now that crime has moved into the suburban areas and really is causing a lot of people some concern. So she decided that she wants to learn how to shoot a gun. So we went to the range yesterday and she got to shoot my 22 Ruger pistol and also my Glock 9mm. And I think the fact that one of her friends was there with her and her friend was out shooting her, got her extremely interested in shooting. My wife is very competitive and does not like to lose. And her friend is extremely accurate with a gun. That's somebody I'm not going to mess with. But it got Tammy to where she was really wanting to learn how to shoot better. And she told me yesterday evening that she had a great time at the range. So I'm sure we'll be back there visiting and getting her a little bit more comfortable with handling a firearm. Well, I'm not sure what the weather's been like in your neck of the woods, but we've had some very warm weather over the past four or five days here in Birmingham, and that's really given me the itch to put on my turkey vest and sling my turkey gun over my shoulder. Now, I especially got fired up when I had four jakes visit me while deer hunting at my place in Chilton County Sunday afternoon. Actually, I was visited by four jakes and our resident mature male peacock. Yes, we have a mature male peacock on the property down there, and he is wild. And yes, you're right. I'm starting to do my research on peacocks, their mating season, and the mating calls of the peahen. So how cool would that be to call in a strutting peacock to about 25 yards while you sat there with your camera or video camera and took pictures. And yes, I am just curious enough to try that for a few days to see if I can actually do it before turkey season rolls around, which here in Alabama is in 40 days, six hours, 30 minutes, and 22 seconds. Before we get into today's topic with Lynn Frady, I want to thank Axel Smith, leaving a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Axel Smith says, five stars, fun and informative, love it. Andy has a great show, quality guest, good info, and fun stories. Love the show, keep up the good work. Well, Axel Smith, your review is much appreciated. You know, the reviews that you guys leave on iTunes help people who are surfing iTunes and Stitcher radio to decide whether or not they want to listen to a show. So your review that you leave for the Turkey Hunter podcast is very helpful in promoting the show to new listeners and growing the show as well. And I thank you, Axel Smith, for taking time to share your thoughts about the show with others. And I encourage any of you who have not already left a five-star rating and a review to please go to iTunes and or Stitcher Radio and do that for me. That'll be a very big help. 
Okay, so today I'm excited to introduce a new guest to you. Her name is Lynn Frady, and Lynn and her husband Jim are Team Frady, and they are part of Matthews Bowes Pro Staff. Lynn and Jim live in western North Carolina, and they are very involved in the outdoors. They devote a great deal of their time to teaching others the sports of archery and bow hunting as well. I'm happy to have Lynn on the show today to talk to us about bow hunting turkeys. I want to get right into the interview, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am excited to tell you that I have on the line with us today Lynn Frady, who is on the Matthews Pro Staff. And Lynn is going to talk to us today about bow hunting turkeys. And some of you guys have requested this topic, and it's one that I really wanted to cover as well. Even though, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I don't bow hunt anymore. I've always been really fascinated by the people who are good enough at turkey hunting to be able to harvest one with a bow. And so, Lynn, I'm glad to have you on the line today. How are you and where are you? Good morning. I am doing well, and I'm in North Carolina. In a Fantastic. little town called Candler. Where, what part of North Carolina is that in? We're in western North Carolina, uh, right outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. So it's a little mountainous where you are, is it not? It's very mountainous where we are. Uh-huh. I know the mountain turkeys are a little bit different than these flat-footed turkeys down here in south Alabama. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into hunting, and specifically bow hunting. Okay, well, when I was young, my dad was a very smart man. He realized that I had a love for the outdoors and animals, and he's the one that actually got me started. Um, at a very young age, he used to keep us in a trout stream here and in the woods, so that's that's how I got started hunting. Actually, um, my first hunting experiences was um, grouse. So I grew up oh, grouse. Mm-hmm. Cool. used to have an abundant amount of grouse and quail here, and now it's really sad because we really don't have either. Our yeah. quail are almost non-existent, and a grouse to get up one or two a season here, I mean, you feel pretty lucky. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, I think that's the case across a lot of the country right. these days. And it, so. it's just sad, but um, things change, and we have... Um, so many more predators now than we used to, and they, 10, 15 years ago, they reintroduced red bulls here. Mm-hmm. So that that's really played havoc on our bird population, and then we have a very strong population of coyotes as well. Right. Yeah, I have a friend who lives in Virginia, and he was not very tickled about the reintroduction of the wolves I don't know into, into that area. Well, fortunately, there's some great organizations out there that are working to help restore quail and other populations of wild animals that need to be restored, game animals that need to be restored instead of the bad ones that we don't want, like the wolves. But And they're making some good progress, too. And, of course, you know, we could throw the NWTF in that mix for what they've done over the years and bringing back the wild turkeys. So there's hope for the quail and some of these other upland birds that we have. So, well, I want to see if I can trick you into running through the rapid fire Q&A session with me here. Okay. What I'm going to do is, if you're agreeable, I'm going to put a stopwatch to you. <laughs> okay. Actually, I should say to us, because I'm going to be timed as much as you are going through these questions. And I've got a list of 30 questions that I want to ask you. They're questions that you probably have not been asked in any kind of an interview ever before. They're about turkeys and turkey hunting and your experiences and your preferences and things like that. And we'll run through those. And when you answer the last question, I'll stop the stopwatch and we'll see how you compare with some people like Brenda Valentine, Bob Erickson, J.T. Byrne. Dave Owens, Corey New, Eddie Salter, and people like that. All right. All right. So you notice in that list of names that I gave you, there's some Southern folk in there, some slow-talking Southern folk. But I'm going to tell you the person that has the quickest time lives in the South, but he was relocated from New York State. So you've got a tough time to beat ahead of you, but we're going to get on this and get going. Okay. Okay, I'm going to press start as soon as I start the first question, and then we'll just go through them as quick as we can. Okay. How many full-body turkey mounts do you own? One. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wing bone? Diaphragm. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? All the above. (laughs) Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? Neat with cola. Make of your shotgun? Weatherby. 
make of your favorite shotgun turkey shell? Three and a half inch Magnum Winchester. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No. Have you ever killed a Jake? Yes. Favorite camo pattern? Real Triectra. Green. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Two. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Zero. Out of all the states that you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? I'm going to say North Carolina. All right. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would that be? The call. Come here. All right. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? An eight. Best turkey hunter you know personally? Eddie Sauter. Favorite turkey hunting book? Mm, Don't have one. All right. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? Kind of self-taught. All right. Think of the toughest turkey that you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? No. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long, thick beards. The number one biggest mistake that you think new turkey hunters make? Too much movement. Bigger fear during turkey season, snakes or spiders? Snakes. Bigger fear during turkey season, lightning or tornadoes? Lightning. Most favorite aspect of turkey hunting? Calling them. Your least favorite aspect of turkey hunting? Missing. (laughs) How long do you think turkey season lasts in heaven and what is the bag limit? Forever and there's no bag limit. Have you ever left a turkey hunting buddy because he or she overslept and was late for your hunt? No. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods turkeys. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber boots. All right. You, oh, you did well. Oh, good. Three minutes and 23 seconds. Now, I'm going to tell you, you were 30 seconds off of the fastest time, but when you said, I want to beat Eddie Salter. (laughs) Did I beat Eddie? You beat Eddie by one and a half seconds. All right. See, he talks slower than I do. (laughs) (laughs) So... You did very well. I'm good. And, of course, I may have messed up the mojo there when I I had to stop the timer to make sure I didn't run over on the number of questions that I asked you. So That's okay. We'll forgive you this time. All right. All right. (laughs) Well, the good news is there's no prize money and no trophy, so it's just bragging rights and just tell everybody you got the fastest time. You you can leave out the last part of that sentence. Which is between you and Eddie. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Now, the next time I see Eddie, I'll definitely tell him. He's going to have to learn to speak faster. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You know, I have people ask me from time to time if I bow hunt turkeys. Right. Usually, my answer involves a little bit of a laugh, and I tell them that I'm not a good enough turkey hunter (laughs) to bow hunt turkeys. And I know a lot of the listeners to this show, they do seek a bigger challenge when it comes to turkey hunting than hunting with a gun. Right. In fact, you know as well as I do, a lot of people out there really don't even pick up a gun. They bow hunt everything that they hunt. Exactly. So for those listeners looking to step up their turkey hunting game by carrying a bow this season, tell them some of the biggest differences that they can expect between gun hunting and bow hunting turkeys. Range is the biggest thing. There's quite a bit of difference in what you can get away with from a bow to a gun, as in movement, concealment, movement being the biggest thing. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people do not practice shooting a bow sitting on the ground or sitting in a blind, and it right. could be their very first experience doing so. So my advice would be know your range. Definitely use decoys if you can, Mm -hmm. but learn to draw very slowly from a sitting position because most people don't hunt even out of a chair. They hunt either sitting completely on the ground on a cushion or on a turkey stool, so you need to really practice. Yeah, that's something that I would not really have thought about, but that is a very big difference from bow hunting turkeys to gun hunting turkeys, but also bow hunting turkeys to bow hunting deer where you're in a tree stand and you do have that opportunity to stand up before you take a shot. You know, so you're able to draw the bow and everything much, in my opinion, much more easily by standing than you would be by sitting. Right. So I think That's those are all very good. Yeah, those are all very good little tidbits that you've given. So you know that we turkey hunters are big on gear. We have all <laughs> kinds of gear that we tote into the woods with us. I, I often chuckle thinking about all of the stuff that I carry, and I don't carry decoys. Right. So I know people that do carry decoys and hunt with them religiously that have to carry decoys and decoy stakes. And then if they have a strutter decoy, they're toting that thing out in a big orange bag. And 
gear plays a huge part in what we do. And we often think that the more gear we have, the more success we're going to have. But what are some of the additional pieces of gear that a bow turkey hunter may need that a gun turkey hunter doesn't, besides the obvious of a bow and arrow? Right. I am probably one of the few that don't carry 40 pounds of gear. And it's simply because living here in the mountains, you learn to take your equipment to a minimal, but it's got to be everything that you need because you're, you are hiking up and down mountains. Uh, right. So the least amount of weight that you can carry is better. I think the, the biggest thing is is making sure that everything that you have in your pack is what you need. Your decoys, whether you use the, the rubber or if you use a real one, you need to make sure mm-hmm. that whatever you carry in in a bag is in something dark colored, camo or black. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not, you know, don't take it in a white trash bag. Oh, yeah. Anything that will be visible. Concealment is huge. You need to make sure that you are completely concealed. Your hands and your face, number one, because that's mm-hmm. where you, the most of your movement is. And turkeys can see forever. And our eastern turkeys here are extremely smart, and they can see forever. So you don't want anything flashy. I do not carry a lot of calls. I use a diaphragm call simply because of movement. I don't have to move anything other than my mouth, and it's covered up. I don't have a striker. I, I do have a push box that I'll take mm-hmm. with me. That way I can just lay it on the ground and hit it if I need to. Um, clothing, again, camo, dark colors, no red, no white. But I, I carry very little. Just just my essentials is what I carry. Yeah, and I would imagine anytime you're bow hunting, you have a rangefinder with you. Sure, if, so, if you need it, yes. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier we talked about decoys. Mm-hmm. And... How much more helpful is it in having decoys when you're bow hunting turkeys than gun hunting turkeys? I'm going to say it's a little bit more important when you're bow hunting simply because it keeps the turkey's attention on something other than you. You can get away with a little bit more movement if you have a decoy, if you're set up correctly. Because, again, if they're coming in looking at that decoy, it gives you a little bit more opportunity if you have to reposition yourself that, that you can do that and that you can draw. So, So decoys are very important. So is there a decoy setup that you prefer? Do you change your decoy setup depending on the season? We only have a spring season here. We don't have a fall. Usually a jake and a hen is usually what I take simply because they're smaller. I don't have a a tom decoy. Mm -hmm. I think that the other ones pique the interest, especially if it's a jake with a hen. You can also add, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, when they do turkey hunts, they they dry the tail, and you can attach Mm -hmm. the tail to a jake. And you can use that as well. Right. I've got some friends that actually just put a tail on a, a stake and then just put the tail out with the jake and the, the, the hen, and it looks like the backside of a tom. Right. But there's lots of things that you can do that, you know, if you don't have a lot of money because turkey hunting is just like deer hunting, just like any type of hunt, it can be just as expensive as you want it to be. But, yeah. but there's, there's a couple ways around it. Yeah. There's no doubt about spending money. It's, uh, <laughs> if it's fun, you're going to spend the money. It's easy to do. It is. Yeah, turkey hunting, deer hunting, fishing. Good Lord. Oh, yes. I have to put myself on notice at the end of turkey season every year. I have 200 pounds of fishing tackle. <laughs> I fish with one of about five things every time I go out right. and, and fish for bass. I don't need anything else other than one of those five things when I run out. Right, but so, it's there if you need it. Oh uh, well, it's, I've got I've got enough for you and me and probably half the city of Birmingham if I need it. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it could be worse. Yeah, you're right. So you talked about one of the biggest differences in gun hunting and bow hunting is being able to draw your bow from a seated position. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine most turkey hunters are probably making some adjustment to their bow to make it maybe a little bit easier to to draw back while they're in a seated position. What kind of adjustments do you make or do you think that the majority of turkey hunters may make to their bow compared to deer hunting or hunting really any other kind of critters that you may bow hunt? Right. Um, Again, the biggest thing is, is making sure that you can draw that if you're a little cold and you're seated. Sometimes you'll need to adjust the poundage because you can't draw it sitting down because you do mm-hmm. use different muscles than standing. So, again, practice is, is key. And make sure that whatever you're going to hunt off of, a turkey seat, a turkey stool, you know, whatever, a cushion on the back of your vest, 
you need to make sure that you practice with that. That way you can adjust the poundage, get your yardage set for your broadheads, and you'll be good to go. But that is just so important. I do not adjust mine because my setup is pretty much the same for deer and turkey. The only other thing that I would suggest is using a fixed pin sight over a rear movable. Mm-hmm. Because when I deer hunt, I usually have a rear movable. But a turkey will not let you buy with that much motion. So use a fixed right. pin. That way you're not having to fumble with something else and move something else. And turkeys, for all your listeners that turkey hunt, you know they're not deal. To get one that's just standing just completely dead still for a long amount of time, we don't have those here. They're almost yeah. constant motion. So with a fixed pin sight, you're putting yourself kind of behind the eight ball. But that's, right. that's the two biggest things. Yeah. So how much do you practice on a moving target? I mean, are you... I know that you, all right, it's, it's true confession time. Okay. <laughs> to get ready for the interview, I stalked you on the internet for just a little bit, okay. but not in the way that you would put out a, uh, you know, some sort of injunction against me or something okay. like that. <laughs> I know that you have shot in a lot of archery tournaments yeah. throughout your hunting career. Mm-hmm. I also know that you and your husband do a lot of instruction for archery yes, we do. as well. So I know that you've shot your bow at a lot of paper and a lot of foam targets over your career. Do you do any type of moving target practice? I don't. And you, with turkeys especially, if, if you can get them to come in, it, I'm not going to say that it's really difficult to shoot one with a bow. You just have to get your time in. And you, you have to spend enough time in the woods to understand their behavior. I think that is the biggest thing. What what their calls mean. You know, their coming call, their, their alarm calls, as I call it, the sexy saying call. You know, all these things that will bring them in, that will calm them down, when to call, not to call too much. But you just have to understand their behavior, and that really helps with your shot placement. Yeah. Would I shoot at one with a bow and it running? No, I wouldn't, simply because I want to make every kill as humane as I possibly can. Right. And that's another big difference between a, a bow and a shotgun. If you're used to shooting at things um, that are moving with a shotgun, that are flying, you know, a running turkey, you'll learn how to lead it enough to, to shoot it if it's in range. With a bow, it's a little bit more difficult, and you're really playing with that shot placement. Right. And that's very critical on turkeys, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about broadheads. Okay. So I know that's critical when you're bow hunting, and especially bow hunting turkeys. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are discussions out there as to which type of broadhead is best for not just deer, but for turkeys as well, between the fixed blade and the expandables. Tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are about the ideal broadhead. Okay. Uh, I prefer cut-on contact. Um, Okay. Women and children, youth that shoot a lower poundage bow, mechanical broadheads have come a long, long way over time. To begin with, if you shot a lower poundage bow... To me personally, I like that cut on contact because there's no doubt in your mind that if you make the shot that you're going to get that bird or the the deer or whatever it is that you're you're hunting. But I prefer, and I use Muzzy MX300 grain. It's mm-hmm. what I shoot pretty much across the board. Okay. Now, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there in that Skype cut out while you were answering that. And you started out answering that question about women and children who are shooting a lower draw weight, and then I lost you for about 10 or 15 seconds okay. right there. So what you said, you use a cut on contact, right. but what do you recommend if someone's shooting a lower poundage, lower, lower draw weight? Definitely a cut same on thing? contact, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, simply because, again, there's no doubt in your mind that that broadhead's going to do a job with a cut-on contact. Right. And Muzzy makes awesome broadheads. We've, we've shot for Muzzy for years, but we started with them because we believe in their product. We have never had a failure in the field, and they make different grains. So, you know, if you're shooting a really low poundage bow, you know, you can go with the 75s. They're small, they're compact, and they definitely do the job. Mm-hmm. Do you use the same type of broadhead when you're turkey hunting that you do deer hunting? Yes, I do. Okay. That he makes 300 grain. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good deal. And I just am curious, what is your opinion of the guillotine type broadheads? I've never personally a- used one. I have seen lots of video and I've had a lot of people 
talk about them. I think it's a great product. You've got to be spot on. With the the one right. thing with those is it's a hit or miss because right. they're aiming right at the base of the neck. So I think that, you know, if you can make them work for you, go for it. Yeah, probably a little bit less trailing turkeys as well yeah. <laughs> after a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I want to get into if we have an extra minute towards the end is actually some of the tips and strategies that you use after you've shot a turkey with a bow to be able to retrieve that. But let's talk a little bit before we do that about your ideal range on a turkey. When I have turkey hunted with people who have been bow hunting, I know that they typically will set their decoys up very close to their blind. And eight to 10 yards is usually about the max. I don't what think do you... slow, but it, okay. it depends. Uh, if you're bow hunting especially, if, if you're pulling them in that close, your movement's critical. I mean, you're going to have to be spot on. Mine are usually 15 to 20 yards, which gives you a little, just, just a little more room to draw and to get away with a few things. Yeah. Again, it's a preference, and it's according to where you hunt. You know, how concealed are you? Are you in the woods? Are you in a field? You know, so, so all those things are key. And you just have to learn what works best for you. But I like mine, you know, 15, 20 yards. My max shot would be 30 yards. Okay. And he's going to have to, we're going to have to play the game just right to, to get away with a 30-yard shot. Yeah. 20 yards, I, that's about perfect, but um, sometimes they don't play that game. Am I thinking wrong when I think that a longer shot on a turkey gives that turkey more reaction time as it sees it that arrow coming to it? And I know the arrow is moving extremely fast. but yes, but the, they see very they, well. They can see. Yes, they can. So, so yes, you're, you're taking a bigger chance to shoot one that far away. Like I said, everything for a 30-yard shot, all the stars and the moons have to line up for you. Okay. Now, when you get ready to take that shot, tell us ideally where we need to aim for a clean and humane takedown on a turkey that is facing us. If it was facing you, you need to aim right at the base of its neck. Okay. And that's whether he's in strut or just standing there. Right. Okay. Now, I know it's going to be different as the turkey presents us with different angles, so how about a side shot? To me, that, that is my favorite, and it's mid-wing. Okay. It's like right under where the small feathers lay before his big wing feathers come out. His long wing mm-hmm. feathers, it's right there, mid-wing. That way you get vitals. And the the thing of it is, is on a turkey, their vitals is a small area. Right. So you're not necessarily trying to, with that shot, trying to break something. You're trying to penetrate vitals. Exactly. Okay. And I would imagine on that shot facing forward, you're actually trying to hit... Sever it fine. Spine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then if you've got one that's strutting... And we all know when we have a strutting turkey out in front of us and he turns and he faces away from us, thank you, Lord, that's our chance. (laughs) We get to move, whether that's pick our nose or adjust our rear end a little bit or ideally swing a gun or draw a bow. Right. So let's say that turkey spins for your decoy, his rear end is facing you, you get your bow drawn on him, and you're not waiting. Where are you shooting now? Well, that that answer is probably... <laughs> Pretty easy. Do I need there's, to only, there's only one <laughs> shot there. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is all of his little tail feathers point directly to aim here. So um, okay. you can. That That's not my favorite shot. Usually you can draw then. Yeah. And I'll wait till he turns. But yes, okay. that is an that is an excellent shot on the turkey. But it's just one that for whatever reason I don't prefer to take. Okay. That was is what I was going to ask you as to why you didn't choose to or wouldn't choose to take that shot. You would wait on him to, to probably present you with a side shot, wouldn't you, since you said that's your favorite. Right. And the thing of it is is that rear shot that you know, if you aim X X marks the spot here, you're gonna mm-hmm. get vitals. So I mean it's, oh, okay. it's a good shot. Don't take me wrong okay. in saying that that's not a good shot. It is a good shot, but it's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's just not my preferred shot. We'll put it that way. Well, and, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I feel the same way about certain shots. And to me, it's a matter of personal opinion mm-hmm. about what you think is respect for the animal that you're hunting. Right. And, for example... If I bow hunted turkeys, I wouldn't use a guillotine style of broadhead. You know, I think it's a disrespectful way of killing an animal. But that's how people killed chickens and geese and turkeys that were on the farm. Mm -hmm. Cut their head off. 
you know. So and it's, it's very just my personal way. opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so to each his own. Sure, and and uh, like I had said before, with a guillotine, it's a hit or a miss. Right. You know, you yeah. so. Well, and I'm certainly not judging someone who does use them. Oh, absolutely not, because most of the people that do use them, they make awesome shots. But, mm-hmm. um, so it, it's a preference, just like any, any type of hunting. Yeah. And it is a more humane kill. Absolutely. You're not going to be trailing that turkey. Speaking of that, let's get back to that. Okay. So that turkey comes out there to your decoys. He's strutting around, pirouetting. He puts his rear end to you. You get your bow drawn. He turns sideways, and you put the pin on his wing where you want that arrow to hit, touch the release, and the arrow strikes exactly at the feather that you're aiming at. The turkey takes off, whether he flies a little bit or he runs, but he gets out of sight. What are you doing from the time that you press the button on the release until you get out of that blind? How much time are you letting go by, and what are you doing during that time? Watching and listening. Okay. Again, here where we live, it's it's very wooded. It's very mountainous. We, of course, do have fields and agriculture. And Mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with with where you are. You know, if you're in a field, on the edge of a field, and you shoot him and he runs across the field, if you made your shot well, he's not going to get out of sight. Um, Okay. If you're hunting and he runs back in the woods, you need to be very still and listen and watch. You can usually, if they run off, you can usually hear them go down because they'll, they'll be flapping a little mm-hmm. bit when they stop. And then, you know, try to, to pinpoint your loca- its location, you know, by hearing where it went. If, if that is the case, I like to give them a few minutes because just like a deer, you can push them. And I have seen turkeys that were hit well still fly. And if right. you push them, it's just like any animal that has the adrenaline rushing, they can go really far. So my advice would be just sit there and listen and see what happens. And then, you know, if you don't hear anything, get up and go, you know, pursue it. But try not to push them because anytime with, with turkey hunting, I love to turkey hunt. It, it's one of my favorite things to do. But you're you're so in that moment, you would just want to get up and run. But with, with bow hunting, like I said, if it runs down in the woods, you need, you need to just sit there just for a few minutes and listen. Yeah. Okay. From that point, you get out of the blind. What are you doing from there? Are you, I can't imagine a a turkey shot through the vitals is going to bleed a whole lot. I know that they will bleed, but but the the feathers are going to absorb a lot of that. So where, where do you go from there? I know you're, like you said, you're relying a lot on sight and a lot on your hearing, but if you don't have a good feel where he went let's say he got to the edge of of a mountain where you are and there's a thought that he may have taken flight and sailed for a little bit but what what are you doing from that point i mean are you looking for blood are you just going to the spot that you last saw and or heard him that's where you start is you go to the last place you saw him and then from where you had sat there and listened you start moving in that direction experience really helps if you have a hunting buddy that really helps because if it got too far at least you can grid search for it Um, Mm -hmm. and that that makes a big difference but you just you just go to the last spot and then you go from there and the thing of it is is move slow yeah you know a lot of people just just run through the woods and and that is one thing that that i so appreciate my dad for is that when we were young, he taught us how to walk in the woods to where you wasn't alarming right. everything and scaring everything to death to move very slow. So so just move slow, keep your eyes up, you know, listen, and most of the time you'll find him. You know, everybody, yeah. if they hunt long enough, you're going to lose a turkey or a deer or whatever you're hunting. You're going to lose one. And, yes, it'll make you sick, but that's just part of hunting. Right. Yep. That's when you pick up the cell phone and call that person that has a tracking dog, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. Those are real helpful. <laughs> <laughs> they are very helpful. I would imagine very much so where you are in the mountains up there. So tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two of the main factors that made that hunt a success. This is a question I ask of everyone that I have on the show because you can appreciate this being self-taught. I was self-taught as well. We learn so much from stories that other people tell. And that's one of the reasons why I ask this question on just about every interview that I do. And I would love to hear the story of your most recent successful hunt and the one or two things that help make that hunt a success. Okay. Well, it's kind of funny. My most successful turkey hunt was with a shotgun, but my best turkey hunt was with a buck. 
And okay. the reason I say the difference there, the one with the shotgun is the largest turkey I've ever taken. The one with my bow was a Jake, but to me it was more a trophy than that one that I took that had 11 half inch beers. Yeah. And it's simply because that day it was the second turkey I'd ever harvested, so which was awesome. And I was by myself when I done it. Mm-hmm. Everything just played out, and some friends of mine have a have a cattle farm, and I was in their, their cow field, in their cow pasture, and had set up. There was very little cover, but I knew where they were coming from, and set up at the base of this huge, huge tree, and I was sitting down in the roots of it. So mm-hmm. I was concealed, had been calling, knew where they were coming from, and of course he was just thundering, and it sounded like he weighed 500 pounds and had a 40-inch beard, you know, 12-inch furs. <laughs> you know, the, the hens kind of come in, and, and um, I was just getting more and more excited, and all of a sudden I heard him. He come up over the hill, and he was a Jake. He had like a three-inch beard. I mean, he he was pretty young, but mm-hmm. um, Jakes are legal here in North Carolina, as are bearded hens. Um, yeah. And drew my bow, and like I said, I was sitting there in the roots of that tree, drew my bow, shot him. He didn't go 15 yards. And to me, that was that was just the highlight. You know, it wasn't the biggest turkey in the woods, but I took it with my bow. Right. So, and like I said, to me, he was that that's a trophy. Yeah, I agree. I think once you get going with bow hunting, any animal that you take with it that's one of the first ones is definitely a trophy. Absolutely. So that's awesome. And last was there I'm sorry. was there anything that you did during that hunt that really kind of made the difference between it being a success and not being a successful hunt? I think again the biggest thing is learning how to shoot sitting on the ground, sitting on anything, making sure that that when you do pick your bow up to shoot that I usually sit there with it upright with the bottom cam on my leg, mm-hmm. and that way all I have to do is just extend my arm and draw my bow. Right. And so you're not. You know, you don't have your bow laying flat on the ground or flat on your legs, and you have to stand it up. Mm-hmm. It's already there. Being able to draw from a sitting position in all kinds of weird positions to where all you're having to do is extend that bow arm and then just draw straight back. Just the least amount of movement that you can get away with. And like I said, diaphragm calls, so you're not having to handle and move your, move around much. makes a big difference. Yeah. So on that turkey that you shot with your bow, that the jake that you shot with your bow, you were not in a blind that morning? No, I was not. I mean, that's impressive. I'm telling you, the stars, the moons, the planets, everything just lined up that day. But, no, I didn't have time to go in. There wasn't enough cover for where they were at that time. Right. I did I did not own a blind. Okay. So you just kind of had to make what you have work. And the other thing is, is that morning I didn't have any decoys either. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. And you had hens in front of you, so you I had more have, eyeballs. Oh, absolutely. And it just so happened that they had moved far enough out, and they were looking in the other direction when he come in, so he was focusing on them, mm-hmm. and they were turned away from me. And it, like I said, everything just played out. It was just one of God's little gifts that morning. Yeah, that is pretty impressive, i got to tell you. That's luck. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to tell you it was because of my expert turkey hunting skills, but no, that was lucky. That's what I was just about to say is yeah. you've got mad <laughs> skills to be able to pull that off. Okay, we'll go with your, your option yeah. there. Yeah, mad skills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm more like God said, oh, you poor little thing. Here you go. We, we, we'll give you this one. <laughs> but see, you didn't let that stop you from going out that day, the fact that you didn't have a blind, that you didn't have your decoys with you, you know, whether you intentionally left them or you accidentally left them or whatever it was, you went out and you hunted and you obviously went out that morning to enjoy what it is that we all enjoy about turkey hunting and that is being in the woods in the springtime. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that 90% of our success in the turkey woods depends on us. And our attitude and our approach about things, not necessarily things about turkey hunting, but just our attitude and our approach about things. So I think that's great. Last year, I didn't harvest a turkey, and I'll tell you why. Last year, I decided I was hunting bow only because usually Mm -hmm. I'll I'll shotgun and bow. Usually the first one I'll take with the shotgun, and then I'll hunt the rest of the season because we can take two turkeys, and then I'll hunt Mm -hmm. the rest of the season with my bow. Last year, not only did I decide that it was going to be bow only, but I was after one turkey. Oh, yeah. And his I nicknamed him Paintbrush. His beard is probably three inches wide or more and nearly drags the ground. I mean, wow. he's just a huge, huge turkey. 
and I had opportunities at very nice homes. And I had decided that that one was the one I was after, and he decided that um, it was not my lucky day. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully he's still alive and well. I hadn't seen him on trail camera in a while, so I don't know if something has got him or he's just hiding. But uh, yeah. still, I do not consider that hunting season a failure by any means. I was there. He was there. We played the game. He won. So, right. you know, there's always another season. That's exactly right. And a season like that, even though you didn't put meat in the freezer, makes you a better turkey hunter. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and you're still out there. Right. You know, enjoying everything that, that God created. So it makes, it makes a huge difference. That is true. Very true. So I want to take just a minute and take a step back because there's a question I wanted to ask you that I didn't ask you when we were talking about adjusting your bow for turkeys compared to deer. Okay. And I have heard people say that they feel like the lowest draw weight that you want to have when turkey hunting is 35 pounds. Okay. Do you feel that way? Do you think there's a minimum amount of draw that you want to have to be able to, to cleanly harvest a turkey? I'll put it this way. To me, one of the best ways to get women and children involved in hunting is turkey hunting because there's mm-hmm. a lot of action. You're calling. They're coming. There, there's so many things about turkey hunting that is so appealing and a lot of women and young people, they can't draw 50 or 60 pounds. Mm-hmm. So 35 pounds, 40 pounds, you know, whatever the legal poundage is in your state, you need to make sure you know what that is. And the other thing is shot placement. 35 pounds and you put it in, in the thought, you're going to get that turkey. So I don't think that there is necessarily you have to shoot 50 pounds or you have to shoot, you know, 70 pounds to harvest a turkey. It's all on your, your ability. Mm-hmm. And your equipment. Again, that's where the cut on contact come in because you're not having to worry about the deployment. Right. The mechanicals have come a long way, and they have made them now to where, you know, a lower poundage bow that they will work. But I just like taking out every variable that, that might possibly go against you. But poundage yeah. is, is not as important as shot placement. Okay. That's good to know. Very good to know. I think that shot placement no matter what you're shooting, no matter what you're hunting with, is crucial. Exactly. So I if, agree if with you there. And if it's an iffy shot, just don't take it. It's not worth right. wounding something and not being able to find it, as in just letting it walk because you'll get another day. True, very true. So, Lynn, that's all the questions that I have for you today. But before I let you go, do you have anything that you want to throw out there as far as want to talk about any of Matthew's products or something like that before I cut you loose today? Sure. Um me and my husband Jim have been with Matthew since nineteen ninety eight. So we we've seen a lot of the 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 bows evolve. Sure. Um this year at the ATA, um, we have the privilege of having Matthews back at the ATA, which of course tickled us to death and we got to mm-hmm. shoot the Halong. And I've been impressed with Matthew's bows ever since we got on with them. But I can tell you that that halon just absolutely blew me out of water. And it did Jim as well. Um, easy to draw, solid wall, easy to shoot. And, of course, at the ATA, they have no stabilizers. They have, you know, they're, it's just pretty much a, a bare bow with a rest. And mm-hmm. there is, you don't even know that you've shot it. It's just, it's an amazing bow. They come in um, three different brace heights. So you can pick whichever one that you want different let off. So it's it's an amazing bow. So we're really tickled about that. Probably won't have one in time for turkey season this year, and, and that's okay too because I still have my same setup on yeah. um, my extremes. So so we're good to go. But um, if you're looking for a new bow, you might want to look at that halon. Very good. Yeah, it was interesting for me not being a bow hunter and going to the ATA show. The majority of the focus of the ATA show, because it is the Archery Trade Association show, is in archery. So it was kind of interesting for me walking around and not just going crazy over bows that were that were hanging around. But it's just because I, I quit bow hunting on my own choice years ago because it just made our made our hunting season in Alabama last too long. And by the time the deer hunting was getting interesting towards the end of season. I was so burned out on hunting, period, that, you know, I said, well, I've got to change something, and that will be, I'm just going to, I'm not going to bow hunt anymore. Right. So even though I always have enjoyed it, I gave that up. So I would spend every second of every day in the woods with a gun or a bow in my hand or a fishing rod in my hand on the lake 
and I would be the happiest man alive, mm-hmm. but I can't do that, so I have to give <laughs> right. something up. <laughs> you have to be able to work to afford all those goodies that you saw at ATA. Talk about your 200 pounds of tackles, yeah. <laughs> very true, very true. So that was pretty interesting, you know, going and just being a witness to everything out there, all the new products and everything in the in the world of archery, and it really is amazing how much gear there is out there and how many brilliant people there are in this world that come up with some of the inventions and bring some of their ideas to life to improve things that we do like bow hunting. So that was really a fun part of the show for me. Sure. And it's just like when I started bow hunting, my husband's the one that that, that got me started. I'd never had the Mm -hmm. opportunity to bow hunt until I met him. So we started shooting bows in 91. And that in the fall and then that January he asked me if I'd be interested in going to an archery tournament and it was mm. simply to learn yardage and shot placement for hunting that that is right. the, the sole reason that we started doing tournaments the first one we went to here it was 17 degrees there's probably eight inches of snow on the ground and went could not tell you how many targets was missed mm-hmm. and ended up winning that tournament yeah. So, you know, we got in the truck and I'm sitting with a big grin on my face. He said, what do you what do you think? I said, well, when's the next one? And he's like, okay. <laughs> so that's how we yeah. started shooting tournaments. But yeah. I think my biggest thing is, you know, if, you're, if your wife or your girlfriend has an interest in it, take them. If your kids have an interest in them, take it. You know, like I said, my dad was a very smart man. He knew that, that I loved being outside. So, you know, anything that he could do to, to help me, you know, he done. He never said, you know, you can't do that because you're a girl. And, you know, I appreciate that so much but uh, anything that that we wanted to do you know he done everything in his power that he could to make it happen and i appreciate that i can't imagine growing up any other way i just wish that a lot more people would still see the value in the outdoors no matter you know if if you're just going hiking you know you're still going to see things so you don't have to hunt but hunting just just a natural part for me right i agree with you 100 percent. no doubt about that Well, Lynn, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the show and talk to us about bow hunting turkeys. I certainly learned a lot from the interview, and I am sure that a lot of people listening to the interview learned a lot as well. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that information with us today. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and I wish you nothing but success in the woods. Well, thank you much, and I wish you the same. So when does season come in for you guys in North Carolina? April. Okay. All right. Well, we're... Getting close to 30 days away here in Alabama, so I'm pretty excited. I think my internal clock has been reset. I'm waking up every morning at 4 o'clock without an alarm going off because it's set to 5.30. So, yeah, I am definitely that (laughs) for sure. Well, good deal. Well, when you shoot a couple of turkeys this year in North Carolina, email me some pictures. I would absolutely love to see them, and I'll post them on our Facebook page and share those with everybody as well. That sounds great. Maybe old Lynn, thank- will work out for me this year. <laughs> I hope so, too. I hope he is out there. I'd love to see a picture of him after you. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, and I want to see a picture of you after you shot him with a bow. That would be just there awesome. So. He's on the list. Yep. On the list. Mm-hmm. I got you. Lynn, thank you very much again. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You too, Andy. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Okay. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Lynn today and learn something about bow hunting turkeys. Lynn is a great person who's extremely passionate about all things outdoors. And she shared with me after our recording that she and Jim are headed to Africa on their first safari this summer. So, Jim and Lynn, I wish you both much luck on that hunt. You're going to have a fantastic time. It is an amazing place, and the animals are incredible. The people are friendly, and it's just going to blow you away. Hey, I want to remind all of you that are listening to today's show that the NWTF convention in Nashville starts next Friday. That's February the 12th and runs through Sunday, February the 14th at the Opryland Hotel and Convention Center. And I'm going to be there taking in the seminars, the calling contest, and the exhibits. And I'm going to be doing some recording while I'm there as well, bringing you guys some content from the show bringing you interviews from people who represent companies that have new products that I think that you may be interested in. So if you plan on attending the show, hit me up while you're there. I would love to meet you, shake your hand, and thank you for listening to the show. So send me a text message to 205-660-0660. 
I'll get back with you as soon as I can and we'll find a spot to meet up. I really hope I get the chance to meet a few of you guys like I got the chance to meet Griff Balte and John Kessler when I was in Louisville last month. Also, if you want to brush up on some turkey hunting tips before you get into the turkey woods this spring, then text the word 101TIPS to 44222. That's the number one, the number zero, the number one, T-I-P-S. And you're going to text that to 44222. After you send that text message, you're going to receive a text back. And just follow the instructions on the reply text that you'll receive. And the list of my 101 tips will be sent right back to you. It's that easy. And I think it takes more time for me to explain to you how to send the text than it will for you to actually send the text and get the list. It is that quick. Okay. That's all I've got for you guys today. Please don't forget to forward and share this show on social media. Don't forget to like the show as well. Also, subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Subscribing to the show is free, and it will ensure that you receive notification when new episodes are posted. Also, tell a hunting buddy about the show if you enjoyed it. Word of mouth advertising is a great way to give back to this show. and. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.